Hello there. Oh, it's good to be back, isn't it? In our safe place, oversharing together. This week on The Overshare, it's 30, single and fine. And I wanted to do this topic because as soon as I turned 30, I don't know about anyone else, but as soon as I turned 30, every question was, are you going to get married? When are you having kids? Are you going to get a house together? Everything. When, when, when. And I felt... In no place, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I felt nowhere near ready. And had I settled at 30 because everyone said I should, I would now be divorced because it was with the wrong person. So, as ever in this, there is adult content coming up, just in case young gays are lurking. Coming up... He was drinking a lot, he did drugs on the side, and I didn't leave. I didn't leave. I remember once he threw me over a coffee table because he didn't like my outfit I was wearing with the girls. I've now invested seven years. I, you know, this, this needs to lead to marriage and babies because otherwise what on earth have I been doing? If you have a partner who also is making demands on your emotional energy, when your little one's gone to bed, you need to rest and recover. You, you're not ready to start taking on somebody else's needs. Keep everything. The only thing I'm taking is the dogs. <laughs> So we've had hundreds of people get in touch, which in itself is amazing. And it's very encouraging to know that there was so many singletons in their 30s smashing life and very, very happy. So if you are someone in their 30s feeling the pressure to settle down, feeling as if you don't blend in because you're not married with kids and an estate car, this podcast will hopefully really help you out. As ever, we're joined by an expert on each episode and today's expert is someone who can guide us through the stories we're going to be sharing, Dr Claire Stockton. She's going to be here to help us make sense of it all. So Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. And what is it you do on a day-to-day basis, Claire? My main role is as a clinical psychologist. I work with people with mental health struggles, offering psychological therapies, helping them to find their way forward to feeling better and living more in line with a, a life that suits them. Brilliant. So it's perfect. Perfect for for this episode, which is great. Thank you so much for doing this, Charlotte. Uh, And Charlotte, tell us a bit about your story, because I believe you discovered the hard way that being in your 30s uh, and being single is fine, didn't you? Uh, Basically, I, from the age of 20 to the age of 29, uh, I was in a long-term relationship. Uh, Wasn't the healthiest, wasn't the best. Um, and sort of all came to a head when I was 29 um, and I chose to end the relationship. So I headed into my 30s single and not happy about it. It was not where I thought I was going to be. It wasn't where I wanted to be at the time. Um, and it, it, it wasn't, a great, wasn't a great start. So you kind of essentially, and again, this is only with, with society saying, did it backwards whereby most people are single in the 20s girls' holidays, you know, meeting all the guys, you know, the occasional, you know, lover on the scene, but nothing serious. And then as soon as you hit 30, people go, boom, you need to settle down. Um, So was it just a case of in in your 20s that you you wanted to be with that person? Obviously, you mentioned it wasn't the the healthiest relationship. Almost the longer I'd been in that relationship and I was heading towards that, you know, that sort of destination of 30... Um, the, the sort of more reluctant I was to end it, I suppose, because it was like, right, I've now invested seven years. I, you know, this, this needs to lead to marriage and babies because otherwise what on earth have I been doing kind of thing? Yeah. Um, it, it all came to a head. And I, I remember saying to, uh, to my parents, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be single and 30. And my dad went, well, better that than 40 and divorced. I was like, oh, good <laughs> it's point. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. So almost then 
thought, well, th- this is the situation I'm in. I, you know, I can either sit at home and cry about it or kind of go and do something. So I almost had my, my 20s in my early 30s, really. Sorry to be like cheesy, but sort of invested in myself, really. And, you know, and being in that relationship that, that wasn't great throughout my 20s, I almost didn't really know who I was. Because, um, you know, you're a very different person from sort of 20 than you are to 30. Yeah, but definitely. I didn't really, I didn't really have that time to, to sort of explore. So I, I did it in my 30s, really. And I guess it's great, uh, Dr. Claire, that, you know, Charlotte took it upon herself to be like, you know what, this hasn't worked. Shit's hit the fan a little bit. My, my options are dwell on it, look back with bitterness or move forward, fresh start, all about me, me and my little boy, that's all you need. I guess that's a great place to be in. It is a great place to be in. And I think that finding your identity in your 20s is a key task that we're all trying to do, which is why we often try on lots of versions of ourselves at that time of our life. And it sounds like Charlotte had found one that she liked, which is I'm in a long-term relationship, I'm headed for my Disney ending, which is a story we've all been sold from being really young. Um, and when that didn't work, you went back and did that work and, and discovered yourself. And it, it's great to be an example as well for your son of what not to put up with and how not to treat people. So a little little bit of backstory about uh, about my son. Um, I spent my early 30s um, until my mid-30s kind of, yeah, travelling, doing some amazing things work-wise from sort of 29 to, to now I added about 22 grand to my salary and I, I did all of the dating. I did the internet dating, the speed dating, the singles events, everything and just it wasn't clicking with with anybody and I knew that I really, really wanted to be a mum um, so I did it on my own. So I went with a service owner um, and had him, had him on my own. I made a drunken vow at my 33rd birthday and said if nothing's different in my life in two years time I will start the kind of saving and and investigating and doing all my research and then have a baby at 36 which I did same as me and I guess that's it's great that Charlotte gave herself that timeline it's kind of forward planning this is what I'm putting out there and if it doesn't work out you know how people expect I've still got the option to do it anyway yeah, keep your options open. And I think knowledge is power, isn't it? We're so much more aware of where our fertility starts to change and being able to plan for that takes the pressure off ending up in a relationship that doesn't work for you just because that's your access to having a family. Feel free, obviously, not to answer, but having used a sperm donor, how like what do you explain to people when they ask about who the dad is or why you and the dad aren't together? Because obviously, I guess in life, that it must come up a lot. Uh, so I, it's my, my personal choice. I've chosen to be really open about it right from the beginning. So everybody kind of is fully aware of, of his origins because it's not something I ever want to be kind of a, like a dirty secret. I'm, I'm proud of it. I hope he, he is when he grows up. So I've chosen to be very honest with everybody that's around us, really. But you've done it and you proof that you can do it and you can make it work. Yeah. You can be a single 30 and fine. Well, thank you so much. Hello. You're very welcome. I'm sorry. I'm working, working at Charlotte's little bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, thank you. Was it a little dog I could hear in the background then? Oh. So I've got a pug and he's like eight months and he's oh. fine sleeping. And as soon as he hears my northern tones go, he's like, oh, give me some attention. Oh. So no, 
Listen, <laughs> producer Matt's just nipped out, and then when he comes back, we'll start. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. No worries, not whatsoever. I, um... I feel sorry for Matt. I think I emailed Matt like half of this morning, and he was straight back to me, and I was like, like what are you doing up? <laughs> so next, we're joined by Sarah, and the story you've got, it goes right back to your childhood, doesn't it? My mum and dad had a negative upbringing, so they then carried out that on with me. So my mum brought me up. She was young when she had me. She was 18. She, you know, social services did come at one point, did take us away, but then took us back. There wasn't that love. There wasn't that well done. There wasn't like, let's do your homework. There was no praise. God, my earliest memory is, what, four? So back then you'd play out. You'd play out till the lights come on. You Like the street lights come on. We'd come back for food, go back out. It was never a where are you or getting put to bed, all this and that. So I was very independent very early on. As you get older, I don't know, you become an hindrance. You get left behind at home with some like treats or whatever, but then she'd go out on a bender, come back the next day. And it was just routine. You just That's how it was. You was just self-sufficient. You just survived. And I think my earliest memory was as a kid, I don't think I've ever said it out loud, was like if she was on a bender and there was no food in, I knew where the dog biscuits were. Oh, God. So, but even so young, now coming into in my 30s, I can survive. I'm fine with surviving without needing to rely on anybody. And I suppose all every child wants from the parents is obviously to feel loved and to feel safe. But also, like you touched on that praise, like my daughter Mia's forever wanting me to praise her. She'll say, Mummy, look, I can jump. Mummy, look, I can, I can put my own shoes on. And all you ultimately want is for them to say, well done, that's amazing. And I guess if you've not got that, you kind of build up a resilience and a, a mental a toughness as opposed, like you say, you're self-sufficient. And was, was that the reason why you joined the army, I guess, to escape all that that was going on at home? My mum came home one day. This day she decided to talk to us and she was like, oh, have um, you ever thought of joining the army? So I interacted in this conversation with my mum because I was like having a conversation with her. So I was like, oh, my God, that's such a good idea. I'll go down to the craze office. And before you know it, six months later, I'm on a train and I go and join the army. Wow. And you know what? It's probably one of the best things I've ever done. Well, we were just talking, myself and uh, Dr. Claire were talking off air about a lot of people in the military. Often their reason for joining in is because they kind of not want to escape, but just because they, they're not happy with how they are at home, the, the living situation, and because sometimes it is only the option, isn't it, Claire? Or looking for that sense of community or the being part of something. So when you join the military, you're put into a troop. You get given a uniform, so now you've got clothes. You get given a rank. You get given a purpose, you know, and you're being paid to better yourself daily. So you are you currently single now? Is, is it, Are you kind of happy being oh, single? I am happy. When you're in the military, there's boys everywhere, right? So when you're young, it's like a cattle market, Gemma. You'll go out, there's a boy, you're like, hi, come on then, let's go. And yeah. you're boy, boy, boy. You're young, you're in your teens and in your 20s. Yeah, why not? Why not? The boys could do it. They got to a point and I found myself going for the same guys. So guys who had mummy issues, guys who needed fixing. And in the process, I was getting damaged because of their neglect. I came out of the most toxic relationship and I've been single since. And is that, obviously to, to bring Dr. Claire in, is that kind of something you see a lot of, of someone who's from a home where that whereby the parents weren't as supportive maybe? I think what we know about growing up is that the relationships that we have growing up almost set us up for what to expect from life. 
But obviously that also leaves you with a vulnerability that if people don't give you a lot, you'd be okay with that for quite a while. And as that relationship develops and you start to want more, suddenly there's a new element to it that wasn't there before. And maybe that person's not able to give you that. And it sounds like the men who she was seeing weren't able to give her the level of connection that she wanted. And how, how long were you with this uh, in the toxic relationship for? Just under two years. And as soon mm. as I got with him, I knew it was toxic. He was drinking a lot. He did drugs on the side. And I didn't leave. I didn't leave. That was the biggest red flag. Yeah. There were so many times in that relationship that I shouldn't have left. I blame myself for not leaving earlier. I've been there as well. I was once in a relationship with a guy and it was it was awful. It was horrendous. He was mentally abusive. He's psychologically abusive. He, I remember once he threw me over a coffee table because he didn't like my outfit I was wearing with the girls. And it, it took my, uh, my brother-in-law to go round and be like, mate, you need to disappear. And he did. And I then stupidly got angry with my brother-in-law. Oh, I'm never going to yeah. see him again. And it's that thing, though, of... They're somehow very clever in manipulating you to make you feel you deserve that treatment and you were the one who wound them up. You were the one who made them do that and then they're very sorry and you start believing it about yourself. He would fuck up and disappear. So now you're bringing up that rejection in me. Ignore the phone calls, ignore the text messages. Then when he'd finally get in touch, it would be a case of I would apologise to him. Then he would come back and go, it's okay. He found my old phone, went through it, made up in his head that I had, let's say, slept with 10 people behind his back and put it all over social media. Oh, God. Yeah, put a big post on social media and was like, she's cheated, she's lied, she's been with these 10 blokes behind my back. He left the house on the Thursday, I goes back on the Saturday and he trashed my house. And he did really, really freaky things to the house, like emptying the attic out, put it all in the bath, put loads of water in taking labels off tins of food, putting them back in the cupboard to make you, like, go a bit... That's bizarre. Just not. What, what, why do people do that, Claire? What's that behaviour? Maybe he had a horrible upbringing, like, but that's... I mean, possibly, but it just falls under that coercive control stuff that's more heard about in the media now, that actually I think the subtle changes where people are trying to control your behaviour, decide what you're going to wear, who you can be friends with, those things we... It takes us a lot longer to spot that that's abuse that's happening. Yeah, because they always back it up with, they'll they'll spend the day being an absolute twat and then the weekend buying you flowers, taking you for dinner and you think, oh my God, it was me, I overreacted. And I think as women we get a lot of um, emphasis on hormones as well or maybe she was just having a day. Are you at that stage now where you're like, do you know what, I'm, I'm fine, I've got my career, I've got my home, I've got my dog, I'm, I'm good. I've got, say, three female best mates. Two out of the three of them are single and they are happy. They're doing well in the jobs. So you are who you hang around with. And I don't really see much positives in relationships because I'm surrounded by negativity of it. Most of the people yeah. I know who settled because they felt they should are now divorced or single parents or going through a divorce or having kind of midlife crises with not knowing what to do. And it's because it's, I always say I'd rather be on my own than be with the wrong person and be unhappy. Um, Because I think as well, when you're in that place of feeling like you're like on top of the world, you you attract also what you are. So you in turn, when the time is right, you'll attract someone who's on the same pathway, who feels supportive of you, but not threatened by you, not insecure about you, just proud. And I think when you're in a funny place, you you attract what you put out, really. Thank you so, so much. Gemma, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, that was fab. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for downloading our overshare. Now, this one is all about being 30, single and fine. We've had loads of messages via our WhatsApp on this and you can get us whenever you want on 0761 Laura's an identical twin. She's 34 years old and she says she's got a twin who is married with kids which means she has to endure the same questions about when it's her turn, when I'm settling down, every time the family gets together. So I guess we've all been that that person, haven't we, Claire, when you reach 30? But I guess being an identical twin who's, who's the complete opposite year, for Laura, it must be 10 times as stressful. I think it could definitely be if she's comparing herself to a twin. I guess there's also some bonuses built in, though, because it might be that her parents have got a grandchild on the way, have got a wedding to plan for, so that maybe there's less pressure, maybe they've shared some of that pressure and that's freed her up to kind of live her life more independently. And I think as well it could be a generation thing whereby like my nana and granddad and my grandma and granddad got together at like 14, married at 17, were together till they passed away. So I think a lot of the times the, the pressure's passed down from generation to generation in that there's some kind of shame of, of you know, oh, is your daughter not settled now? When's your daughter going to settle? And, it, and it's pressure for the parents as well sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think as as women are getting older, starting their family, our parents are older, starting to become uh, grandparents. And that's, you know, something that they're often looking forward to. So that can increase the pressure of, we want to get on with it. Well, thank you for doing this, Joe. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, Joe, what's your story? Is, is it true you, you could have been married and settled now, but you've actively chose not to? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. I was um, I was engaged a couple of years ago and we had um, a little girl who's three now. It just wasn't for me. I just I just prefer... It was like having a second child, to be honest, without, without uh, slagging him off too much, <laughs> um, <laughs> just in case he hears this. I think COVID helped a lot with it because um, we live separately, then... We kind of come together at my mum's because I was living with my mum at the time mm. and we had the little one and with COVID we were seeing each other pretty much 24-7 um, and then uh, we moved into our like rented house and then within two months being here he wanted to buy his own house and I just weren't ready for that. I just thought it's going way too fast and comfy where I am and then when I told him it all, yeah, all hell brought loose. So he kind of split, yeah. split up from it all. Already before they'd moved in together... You know, Joe's thinking if it goes wrong, it's it's not fair and it's my fault. Anything that's a big commitment causes us to start questioning again, doesn't it? Looking a little bit more closely. So something that might not have been working that well for us, but there was no necessary timeline on, we might go along with that a bit longer. But suddenly we're buying a house, there's a commitment. I've got to think about that a little bit more carefully. I've been in situations where I've, you know, thought about buying a property with a guy and, you know, my mum said rent, do a year rent first at minimum a year, mm. and I'd be like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And I've always ended up calling the estate agent at around six months saying, can we can we break the rental? And then going back going back to my mum's. I, I moved back in with my mum, but I must have been late 20s, 27, 28. And it was a, a hassle because we had bought a house. And we obviously when you buy a house, there's a will involved, there's who bought what furniture. And in the end, I said, keep everything. The only thing I'm taking is the dog's... <laughs> You can have whatever you want. And it got to the stage where it was so stressful dividing who'd paid for what, who'd bought what, that it would have been easier to take my mum's advice, rent, and I would have come back with just, you know, a, de- a deposit lost yeah. for a month yeah. as opposed to thousands on a house. So you, you, you ultimately did the right thing because you knew it was right for you. 
Yeah, well, I think before I know it was coming to an end and I just kind of stayed with him because of my little one, thinking if we break up, what's it going to be like for her and stuff? But she was so happier because I was happier because mm. it was just bringing me down so much because I just I was staying with him just for the fact of my daughter, really. Um, but we just... And it's great now. I love it. It's just... We just do our own thing and it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. And is he still present in your daughter's life? Do you co-parent well? Yeah, I mean, for the first seven, six, seven months, we didn't talk. So I said, look, at the end of the day, we've got a child together. We need to we need to speak. But he has her every weekend. Um, so I, so she, she goes to um, her dad's every weekend and she's got another, she's got a sister there, her dad's previous relationship. So she's happy going and it's just my time again, but all I do is washing, cleaning, shopping, and then yeah. get back to Sunday again. <laughs> and I, I guess the thing is, a lot of people stay with the wrong person because of the kids. Um, my mum and dad divorced when I was 10, and it was only when I was old enough to understand it properly, she told me she could have left him when I was about six. And I was like, why didn't yes. you? She said, because you were, you were at six, and I wanted you to mm. have... And I'm like, yeah, but you stayed with the wrong person for, for so long. And she yeah. said, when you have kids, you will you will understand. And I think it takes a brave person, you know, male or female, if you're not happy to get out of a relationship. Because ultimately, you're going to hurt somebody if you're breaking yeah. off a relationship. But long term, the damage you do to yourself, which then projects onto your kids. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather have two happy parents living separately than two miserable parents living together. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And has anyone caught you eye, caught your eye since, or are you just kind of thinking, nope, I want to be single, I'm good? No, unless um, someone like Frank Lampard comes knocking, I'll be single <laughs> the rest of my life. <laughs> but I highly doubt that, so probably not. And and do you do? Are you dating anyone, or anyone casual, or are you just absolutely fine no, being? I'm just, I'm just absolutely fine on my own. I mean, it might change. I mean, I mean, I'm 36 now, so but everyone says like, oh, you're not fancy settling down again and stuff. I'm like, no, not really. I just, I just. Find me and my daughter, and that's it, really. I'm just, unless I'm just boring, but <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just happy as it is to be at the minute. And do you come across a lot of people like that, Claire? Like, whereby they're just, yeah, this is it, and people expect so much more. Yeah, I think one of the things that it sounds like Joe was describing is that actually having a young child uses so much of our emotional energy as a woman that if you have a partner who also is making demands on your emotional energy, when your little one's gone to bed, you need to rest and recover. You, you're not ready to start taking on somebody else's needs. And it sounds like mm-hmm. Joe worries a lot about keeping everything right for a daughter. She wanted to be doing the right thing for a partner. And you, you can't be in five places at once, can you? You no. need some time for yourself. And you, you, no. you've got to mentally recharge. I mean, my fella works away a lot and I'll often say to producer Matt, who's sat here, I'm like, oh, Gorka's back on Thursday. I've not seen him for three weeks. He's going to want the lingerie. He's going to want all this. And all I want to do <laughs> is get in bed. And he'll text me, Gorka, saying, can't wait for tonight. And I'm like, oh, God. And then <laughs> it's because for me, I'm like, I can't wait for tonight because it means you can get up and I can sleep. Get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, whereas for him, he can't wait because he's been away for three weeks. He wants to come home. He wants a bit of attention. Yeah. So I, I, that's when I say to him, go in, go in the other room with your laptop, it's Poor fine. Gorka. <laughs> Poor lad. Poor Gorka. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Joe, for sharing your story. I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people. And hopefully if anyone's listening to this who's been in a similar or is in a similar situation uh, to you, uh, your proof that you can, you can do it alone if you want to. You don't have to settle. Definitely. Thanks so much. Charlotte, 
That's all right, no problem. Thank you for having me. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm 36, single with no children. Um, pretty much been single for about 10 or so years. Um, kind of a sh- few short relationships. Um, the dating pool is somewhat of a cesspit, so I don't particularly enjoy <laughs> dating. Um, so pretty much just kind of do my own thing, go traveling quite a lot by myself. Um, I went to New York last year by myself, went to Norway, um, been kind of all over the place and doing various courses to kind of build up my career and things like that. So pretty much just kind of navigating my way through life by myself. And and that's obviously something you've actively decided to do by yourself. I mean, like you say, the, the dating pool's not working. What what happened with your last relationship in your 20s that made you think, do you know what, I'd, I'd rather be on my own? He was significantly older than me, which I think was a factor, and he had a little girl, um, which right. wasn't really much of an issue. But I think I was very, I suppose, emotionally immature, I think, to date somebody. Because I think at the time when we got together, I think I was about 20, 23, um and he had a two-year-old and there was still a lot of baggage with the last relationship and I think I wasn't very emotionally equipped to deal with it um and it it was quite toxic to be honest so I think it took me a long time to get over that and pretty much just kind of learn who I was because I'd been in relationships since I was like 17 years old so um didn't have a clue who I was didn't know what the dating life was like didn't know what I liked as an individual only knew what I liked as part of a couple um, and kind of fitting into that box, I think, um, trying to fit the stereotype of needing to settle down and having children and all the things that my friends were doing yeah. and pretty much just kind of pushed against that and decided that that wasn't necessarily for me. It's bizarre. Everyone we spoke to on this app I've had something in common with. I was with someone in my early 20s he was seven, eight years older, wonderful man, wonderful human being. Uh, we ended up getting engaged. It lasted six weeks because I couldn't go through with it. And he had a daughter who was two at the time. And mm-hmm. I selfishly, at the time, I didn't see it because I was, like you said, emotionally immature. But I look back now and my issue was that I, I remember thinking I'm too young to be a stepmom and a wife oh, yeah. at this age. And I couldn't deal mm-hmm. with the fact like... At weekends, if Meadway plans and God forbid his daughter was poorly or the daughter's mum needed something, he, he rightly so would put his little girl first, which is what yeah. you'd want your, the father of your child to do. But I'd Absolutely. be like, I'd be like, well, I've not seen you for weeks. I thought we were doing something. He'd be like, I know, but she she really needs me. She's two, and I hated mm-hmm. it. And now, obviously, that's an awful thing. But I I, I left for that reason. I was like, I can't be a stepmom and a wife in my twenties. No way. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really hard because you want the the guy to be a good dad. And for me, I think that's a really attractive feature. If a man's got children, even now, if I was to date somebody that had children, it really doesn't bother me. And for me, it would be more of a red flag if they weren't involved with their children and didn't see them. Um, but I think when you're in your early 20s, you don't really understand the the full concept that the dad's kind of got to be a dad. Yeah. And you are, you are number two. And as much as that's horrible to hear when you're, I don't know, 21, 22, whatever, um, it, it's the truth. And I think you kind of need to be emotionally mature to be able to deal with that. What are your thoughts on that, Claire? 
I think step families are really difficult, particularly when you're young. If you don't have a child and your partner does, essentially you're never going to be their first priority and uh, you might well be making them your first priority and that imbalance can be really difficult for people to manage, particularly when they're younger. But I guess the thing is as well, it's a double-edged sword because if you were with someone who had a child who didn't put them first, that for me is a, well... You, you won't want a child with them down the line because they could forget about them as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's whether you're looking for a partner or a fellow parent. And I think at that stage in your life, like your early 20s, you're often looking for a partner. And and with, with being on your own, I believe you've, you know, been able to work on your, your physical health, your mental health, you, you do training, you go on holiday on your own. Tell us a bit about that journey. So when I was 28, I decided that I was going to become a counsellor and so working full time, I decided that I was going to study part time to get my diploma as a therapist, um, which I qualified in when I was 32. And then about two years ago, I got offered a job as a counsellor working full time for a mental health charity and physical health. I've yo-yo dieted since I was 15 years old. So last year when I came back from New York, I just decided that I was sick of it. And one of my friends um, that I actually went to school with, he was a well, he is a personal trainer and I signed up for a program with him, which was pretty much a whole lifestyle overhaul. Um, I love feeling like strong and powerful. And I think there's a lot in that, especially when you're kind of navigating your way through life alone. Yeah, it definitely plays a part. I, I think the minute you start taking care of yourself they, they always say it's hard to feel bad about a body that you're taking care of yeah and, and I guess in your in your experience it's you, you can take on anything because you're, you're in the right mindset for it well yeah exactly I mean last summer I actually went on a, a date with a guy which I think was my my first date since co- before Covid I think um and we had a really good first date and then we agreed to meet up a few days later and he actually stood me up and then in the morning I was due to go to the gym um, I get up at like quarter to five in the morning to go to the gym and I really didn't want to go I was just like I, I had absolutely no motivation I felt really awful um, it really kind of knocked me um, and I went oh god I felt amazing afterwards it's it's so incredible for my mental health I felt unstoppable and yeah I haven't thought about the guy since yeah it's, it's, it's the endorphins and I guess Dr Claire you'll be able to relate that Obviously, in certain situations, medication is is necessary and essential. But a a lot of the time, good nutrition and movement and fresh air can be a really good medicine as well. Definitely. One of the things that we're always working with people around mood is moving more. It's definitely something I'd be talking to people about if I'm working with them around anxiety or low mood or problems with their sleep. How much activity are you doing? It's it's one of the top things on my list. What, What would your advice be to anyone who's you know, come out of a relationship similar to you and are now kind of faced, oh my gosh, I'm on my own, I'm working, but I've not got a fellow, what am I supposed to do? I would say don't get back into another relationship just as a distraction, because I think a lot of people do that. And especially in the job that I do, I see people kind of go from different relationships because they're they're too afraid to be by themselves. And it is really scary and doing things by yourself. I, I still find going out and eating by myself really scary. Of all the things that I do, I always feel really awkward, but I do it and it's really uncomfortable. Do not be afraid to be uncomfortable because the most growth does actually come from that. 
One of my questions when you were talking earlier, Charlotte, was like whether you'd always had that courage to go travel independently and do things because it, it's anxiety provoking to do that. But it sounds like it's not that you've always have it. It's that you've been willing to deal with the anxiety to have what you want. The thought of never going on holiday unless somebody was free scared me more than going by myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go on my first trip by myself until I was about, I think I booked it when I was 29. And I'd, I just randomly booked a flight to Boston for New Year's Eve. I, I remember when I landed in Boston and I went to get my luggage, I was terrified. I was like, what do I do now? I was so <sighs> scared. I do think it's harder to meet people when you're single because I think there's kind of quite a lot of things that are geared towards like kind of mum and baby. And and I think the commonality is that people get together and they have children and you have like your mum friends and things like that. But there isn't kind of like a single person club. Yeah. Um, and it's quite high unless you've got specific interests where you can meet people. Um, and I, I've I've lived where I've lived my entire life, which I think is actually a bad thing because I think I'm just a bit too comfortable. Um, I'm actually moving up to the Midlands by myself and just completely starting a whole new career and um new life. And I think that'll be really good for me because I'll almost be forced to go and meet people and go to classes. What advice would you give Claire for that whole new? experience new chapter almost well it sounds like charlotte's doing great already like often people say oh i'm just not the kind of person who could do that and she's not saying that she's saying this is going to be anxiety provoking but i'm going to do it anyway and yeah that's the way to find your people isn't it better and oh well than a what if yeah that's the mentality i go with to be honest oh well brilliant well thank you so much for joining us charlotte it'll be brilliant Lovely. thank you, thank thank you, you so much Thank you for all your stories on The Overshare, another great, great episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope our stories have helped you out if you've got a few hang-ups, maybe, you know, some huge hang-ups. <laughs> We've all been there about being in your 30s and not yet settling down. Uh, we'd love your comments on this episode. As always, you can get us whenever you want to on The Overshare WhatsApp, which is 077 Thank you so much to Dr. Claire. You've been fantastic, so thank you to you. The Overshare was produced by Matt Foister for Bauer Media. Please leave us a review and tell all your friends about us, and we will see you soon for more Oversharing. Oh,